What's going on family? Let's talk about something that's been buzzing in the tech world, AI safety and security. How do you feel about the rapid advancements in AI and the potential risk that it brings? Have you heard of the stories about AI being tricked? It's a real concern, but fear not because there's a real solution, AI Red Teaming. You see, AI Red Teaming is all about stress testing. You see, AI models and deployments to prevent unauthorized access and data leaks. It's about ensuring that your AI can't be tricked into providing information beyond its intended use. And guess what? You don't have to do it alone. My friends over at HackerOne has a community of over 750 active hackers specializing in AI security testing. You see, in a recent engagement, just 18 hackers identified over 100 valid findings in just two weeks. That's the power of ethical hackers. Wow. So if you want to ensure the safety and security of your AI deployments, look no further. Head over to HackerOne.com and explore their AI red teaming services. With strategic flexibility, rapid deployment, and a hybrid talent strategy, HackerOne has everyone, everything you need to safeguard your AI. Don't let AI keep you up at night. Visit HackerOne.com today and rest easy knowing that your AI is in safe hands. <laughs> Why you well, somebody, you, <laughs> because somebody asked this question before, like how do you resist the urge to win all the time? Yes. Somebody who, who always wanted to win. I'm a man. I'm yeah. ready to hunt and kill and destroy and, and solve problems. Okay. And for, so then you want to be in a relationship with a loser. What's happening? No capping. We A.O. about to get a plate. Oh, pull up to the table. Let's go. Yo, what's going on, fam? It's your boy, Anthony Neal. Welcome back to the table. It's the Atlanta edition. Um, I am in the beautiful city of Atlanta where I would never live, but I will always come and visit uh, because you all know me. I'm just too good for Atlanta. No, I'm just playing. Uh, my team had a good idea. They was like, hey, instead of for asking all of your Atlanta friends to come up to Nashville, how about we just go down to Atlanta? And man, I, it, it's been an amazing journey. You know, this month, I've, I've really enjoyed this beautiful city. And today, I, I am actually um, excited uh, to have this conversation because I know y'all going to love it. Um, I have an amazing couple that is well-known um, and doing their thing. You all know them as rich and regular uh, because everyone wants to be rich and just be regular people and be get this bag. But what I love about them is when I first heard about them, I was on a Tamara Hall show, and we were supposed to be on there together, but unfortunately, a greatness wins. And... Uh, <laughs> No, I'm just playing. Something happened technically-wise, and uh, they couldn't join the show. So after I learned more about them, I was like, yo, let me just study them. And what I love about them, this is a young Black couple that is winning. And you all are going to hear from them today. They're not perfect, but they're winning. And I think that's the most thing that is important to me. Because when we really look at marriages, marriages today are breaking up because of finances. Not because of the lack of money, but just because of the lack of communication around money and to making sure that you're on the same vision. So I want you to really just dive in, stay tuned throughout today's show, because I'm not going to talk a lot because I'm not married, you know, and, and I want to learn. And they already were challenging me, you know, upstairs when we was talking. You know, my, my video guy, his lady is here and she was trying to tell me about myself. And I was like, girl, you ain't even married. Let me talk to the married people. You know what I'm saying? And she's looking at me right now like I'm crazy. So let's get to today's show. Okay, let's get to today's show. 
<laughs> so, okay, y'all help me welcome uh, to the stage. Y'all know him as Rich and Regular, but Julian and Kirsten. What's going on, What's going man? On? What's good, man? Man, we've been playing this for about like two months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah started at uh, FinCon. FinCon. Yes. And y'all killed it on the stage. I oh, appreciate you, you man. You I mean, I, I knew y'all were good, but I didn't know y'all know how to kill the stage. Oh, yeah. You know. I mean, y'all, amazing. Thank you. It's just good to see black people winning, successful, and empowering. And y'all empowered a lot of us, man. I appreciate that, appreciate man. Y'all. Thank I appreciate y'all. So let's get straight to it. Let's because, do it. you know, um, I, I like to dive straight into this. Yeah. And when we, whenever I combine relationship stuff and money together, oh, my tribe just loves it. <laughs> they, they just loves it. Y'all met my social media lady, and she just got so excited. <laughs> you know, she got her legs crossed back there just saying, yes, it's going to be a good show. <laughs> I feel a certain kind of way because she doesn't do that for me. But anyways, <laughs> um, let's get into it. Why the name Rich and Regular? Let's go there first. You take it. Yeah, and there are a lot of different reasons or stories that sort of lead up to it. Um, I'll give you just the, the, the cleaner version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is similar to what you said before. I think a lot of people, especially now, have just come to really appreciate what it means to be anonymous, right? Mm. Like, being famous mm -hmm. uh, is probably not all it's cracked up to be. I'm not, not to say that there are all these perks, yeah. but there's probably a lot of pressure that comes along with that. But I think the bigger challenge was that a lot of people kind of see the two as one and the same, right? Mm. Like, you cannot be rich without being famous. And what we really wanted to show people is that you absolutely can. You absolutely. can be rich and a regular, regular person mm -hmm. yes. that is not involved in any of those other things. You can be essentially what a lot of people just consider the black millionaire next door. Man, I love that. See? Dropping that black knowledge. <laughs> the black millionaire next door. I don't know that a lot of people, like, have read Millionaire Next Door. It was a huge book. Yeah, when did it come out? Like, in the 80s? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. probably. Early like 80s. In the 80s. Okay. It's been I a while. Think, yeah, early 80s. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but the premise behind the book, for anyone who hasn't heard it, is that you're probably living next door to a millionaire because most millionaires don't drive flashy cars. Yeah. They don't live in these big mansions. Yeah. They're your everyday business owners. They, yeah. you know, install drains and, you know, I can't think of another job. Like, no, they solve simple problems. <laughs> they solve simple problems. So yeah. a marketplace for that, you know, somebody didn't necessarily want to do. Right. right. It doesn't always have to come with the big fancy job working for the Fortune 500 companies. You could be any number of things solving problems. Mm -hmm. I, I, on Twitter just today, I saw someone posted because of the infrastructure bill that the U.S. government posted that they needed, like, um, stress balls. Mm. Right? And they were accepting contracts on stress balls. Somebody's got to make those stress balls. Right? <laughs> Somebody right. can charge a markup for putting logos on those yeah, stress yeah. balls. Like, that's a business in and of itself. Yeah. Not necessarily sexy, yeah. but I'm confident that that's a multi-million dollar business. You know, I just partnered with Bethel Tech, right? And Bethel Tech is teaching people how to get into the tech field. Yeah. Specifically people of color, too, right? Right. And, I mean, uh, they was telling me how... The average person in nine months is coming out making about $100,000 a year. Mm -hmm. I think the number one thing that I see people get confused by, you think in order for you to be a millionaire, you need to be making a million dollars a year. Yes. Well, we know you don't have to be making a million dollars a year no. to be a millionaire. But I know people who make a million dollars a year and they're not millionaires. 100%. <laughs> and so um, um, I, I think people don't understand. I love y'all's mission. That you could be regular. Yeah. You could be a school teacher. Yeah. And be a millionaire. A hundred percent. So about how you save, how you invest, and, and, and how you set yourself up to win. So how long y'all been married? Six years. Who made the first move? I did. He did. You did? Yeah. <laughs> in the DM. <laughs> you slid in the DM? In the 
Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that grimy. It was on Facebook. But yeah, I mean, we were co-workers, oh. right? So I, I needed to figure out a way. We game at the job. Early, mm. early. Yeah, it's a, it's a different story. You know, you have to go all the way into those kind of details. But literally, the first move was I sent her a mixtape. It was the best of Nate Dog. <laughs> And she reacted. I'm um, just a little secret for the fellas out there. You know, mixtapes. So you didn't say hello. You just sent her music. No, I did. You know, I was like, oh, my fondest mixtape. And it was more like, you know, but it was the first sort of communication outside of the work medium, which was like, oh, okay. So you want to be friends outside of work. Yeah. So it was that kind of thing. It was like, oh, we vibe. It was a work. simple way. This is cool. Yes. But yeah. then it was like, you know, outside, I'm not going to send you that through the company email. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So go ahead and listen to this Nate talk. And it was a safe space. Safe play because if people said no, it'd be like, okay, cool, great. Yeah, you still good. No, well, he knew no I fun. like. He knew I like Nate Dog. <laughs> <laughs> you did your research. Hey, Kirsten. So, what was your response when when that came through? I'm curious. I was super excited. I you like, were? Yes, yes, yes. I. You already knew what the move was. I knew what the move was. <laughs> you knew. Oh, you want this? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had just convinced myself he was going to be my work husband. But oh. I was fine with that. Like, he'll just be my work husband. We joke all day. You know, we eat lunch together, whatever. Okay. And then when he sent that mixtape, I was like, <laughs> see what you're trying to do. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yo, yo, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, all right. So y'all been married for six years. I got yeah. kids. We have one kid. One kid. One son. He's son. beautiful. Four and a half years old. Four and a half. Named Bo. Named Bo. Yep. And I think you grew up in Texas. Yep. I mostly grew up in Atlanta. I was born in Texas. Born in Texas. Most of my life I've been here. Okay. And then you were born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, but I've been in Atlanta for over 20 years. Okay, cool. So married six years. Mm -hmm. Um, Were y'all both financially well before meeting each other? Oh, no. I was not. You wasn't? (laughs) I, I had a spending problem. Now, I was always good at making money. I just felt like making money was easier than managing it. And so I focused on my career. I was one of those up-and-comers who got promoted all the time. I never had an issue finding a job, never had an issue winning over, like, executives at work. Mm -hmm. And so I just focused on doing that while I spent a lot of money. So I had a bunch of credit card debt. I had a luxury car. I lived in a luxury apartment. And I was living check to check, despite making plenty of money money. as a single woman in Atlanta. Okay. And so when we met, that's where I was in my life. And he was on a totally different journey. For real? What was your journey? I was on a wealth building journey at that point. So I was a little, I'm a little older than she is. Okay. And I had really... I'm not going to say burnt out, but like sort of peak game in terms of like where, and I, granted, I was still doing well in my career, but I knew I couldn't do this forever. So I needed to start building a path out or an exit plan. And okay. so I was already sort of knee deep in real estate and real heavy in investing wow. and very mindful of my budget so that I can make sure that I did, every single year was sort of building this sort of exit ramp because I just knew that at some point, I didn't know when, but I knew at some point I wasn't going to be happy or fulfilled as an employee. I needed to be in more control of my destiny. So, I feel you. It's so funny. Sometimes, from what the single people say, they say the roles flip. Mm. Like, the woman is on a good path, and it's us brothers who are out here dropping the bag, living paycheck to paycheck, but the yeah. lady got the savings, the investing is a good job. Yeah. But this time it flipped. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, my brother. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. Tell the outlier, man. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. So, y'all get married. Where, where did... Rich and regular come from, like Man. where 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 did that journey start? So I'll try to be brief um, because 
this is a really important um, thing, but I, I get really caught up in it. So we honeymooned in South Africa. Uh, oh. This was 2016. We got married in uh, 2000. Sorry, we got married in 2015. Mm-hmm. But because we were so work obsessed, you know, how people typically take a vacation immediately after their honeymoon. We were right. so work obsessed that we traveled. I think we took like six business trips between the wedding and then finally taking our honeymoon. Okay. By the time we got to South Africa, we were exhausted. We were burnt out. Um, we spent two weeks away. This was also in the middle of, you know, you think back to that time. It was a media frenzy, pre-presidential campaign. Yeah. It was Trump a really ugly running. time oh, in the country, right? So yeah. we were sort of escaping all of that stuff in addition to our own work obsession. Okay. And I remember being in Cape Town and we were literally sandwiched in between, like, beautiful mountains and over here was just like the Atlantic Ocean, like one of the most beautiful places in the world. And we caught ourselves on our phone checking email from work. And we were flat out embarrassed by that because it really just showed that, wow, here we are, one of the most beautiful places in the world. We went literally as far as possible as we could from our home. Yeah. And we still found ourselves so sort of stuck and obsessed with this idea of working. Yeah. And we knew, even in that moment, while we were celebrating a life together, that that was not sustainable. Right. And we, once you add on a child, once you add on the, the fact that you're aging, all of the change that happens in corporate America and all that stuff, that that just was a recipe for disaster. And so that's when we said, all right, let's stop being bystanders of personal finance. Let's really, really dive in. Let's make it less of a hobby. Let's really focus on and make it a central part of our life and our marriage and use that as a mechanism to insulate ourselves basically from divorce. Yeah. And y'all killing it. I appreciate it. Y'all have created a dynasty that's impacting a lot of people. Yeah. You don't even have a show now on YouTube, right? Yeah. Yeah, What's the name of it? Money on the Table. Yes. Yes. And and it's, it's, I mean, y'all have some big names on the show and y'all haven't invited me. (laughs) (laughs) Consider this an invite. We'd love to have you at the table. Do I have to be, do do I have to be married? No. No. I don't? No. 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 (laughs) Season three then. I'm really offended. I have not been invited. You know what I'm saying? We we just now at your table. (laughs) And now that we know the city that you'll be living in. Yes. I'm right around the corner. Are y'all coming to that city? Absolutely. Team was like, what what city? None of y'all business. I'm going to tell y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's see. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. So let's let's, let's talk to this. The majority of people who are watching me right now are single. Mm -hmm. And they're dating. Mm -hmm. And I'm dating. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the season of my life to where... I am ready to find my 5S. What does that mean? Saved, sweet, skilled, smart. And every time I say this last one, you know. I was like, get to it, brother. You know what I'm saying? I need to hear it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Every time I say this last one, people are like, ugh, you know, but sexual. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that the church shies away from that word. Um, Not saying, you know, sex before marriage. I'm just saying like, hey, I mean, I want to be happy. Yeah. You know, I want to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I think the Lord wants me to be happy, you know? Uh, but, you know, so I'm in that season to where I'm ready to settle down. I'm ready to be a father, ready to be a husband, ready to have my wife. I think a lot of people watching right now are ready for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's difficult, you know, because I think the important part about relationships is finding that one that you align with. Mm. And it's hard to find that person and that individual who you align with. What would y'all go back? Okay, no, I'm going to do this. I'm single. Six years of marriage. What would y'all tell me as a single person 
throughout y'all's life and journey and experiences, what would y'all tell me? Anthony, think about these things as you go into the relationship. Oof. Uh-oh. I mean, why you got to be breathing <laughs> like Ooh, that? Yeah, let me see. <laughs> I think, um, I think the first thing I would say is that your commitment in your marriage is a choice that you make every single day, mm. right? It's not one of those set it and forget it. It's not like a driver's license. Like once you get that marriage license, you just married yeah. and you just know how to do it. Yeah. It's one of those things that you have to commit to every single day, especially if you're with an ambitious person who is changing, who is evolving, who wants to try things, take risks, go places. You have to really decide that this is the person that I'm going to build a life with. Mm -hmm. And even though he has this trait or she has this trait that I may not like, that trait is likely enabling a trait that I love. Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of like the butterfly effect where it's like, if you change one thing in somebody, let's say you fall in love with the free spirit and that free spirit, you love the fact that everything is fun, but it also means that maybe she's a little messy because she's not really thinking about it. If you force her to start cleaning and become this other person, you're going to chip away at the things that you love about her, which is like the spontaneity and like just, you know, being surprised by life. So it's really just like this exercise in acceptance, mm -hmm. accepting people where they are and still gently pushing them to like mm. evolve. Ooh, evolving. Like, that's the work. When people talk about marriage is hard work, they're not just talking about, like, living with somebody. <laughs> like, they're talking about opening yourself up to leave space, hold space for someone who is completely different from you, is an adult and can make their own choices, right. but that you have chosen to support and, and be with. Yeah, when I, so I have a different response, but I remember when I was single a long time ago, and I remember always struggling with not knowing the difference between something that might be considered a red flag uh -huh. or just the right obstacle that you need to sort of work through right. that sort of leads you to a breakthrough. And I think the same is true in, in business, even in, you know, you, I see you hit the gym every now and then, you know, yeah. you got to tear some muscle fibers in order to become stronger, right? Fact. So I think it's the same type of dynamic with relationships that I believe conflict is actually the doorway or the pathway that you need to go through in order to have that kind of breakthrough with someone. Mm. And I think, unfortunately, with relationships, a lot of people mm. kind of consider the absence of conflict as a marker a good thing. of success. Yes. And so if you've never argued, never had a disagreement, then I would argue you've never really had a breakthrough Ooh. with your partner. Uh -oh. Right? So you need to actually have those conflicts. The act of avoiding them is the act of avoiding growth. So stay right there. How do we know what's a healthy conflict then? Well, because you know what I'm saying? You, you, conflicts... So conflict is a, is a loaded word, right? And yeah. I, but I use that word specifically because I think for people hear that and it's almost like they start thinking violence, right? We're not talking about violence. I'm not talking about standing up and screaming. Right, right, right. I'm talking about, hey, I have a point of view on something that right. conflicts with your point of view. Right. And we need to w work through that. But we also acknowledge that for a lot of people, it's just very comfortable to avoid it yeah, or yeah. to just let it slide or to find someone else that you don't have that conflict yeah, with, yeah. right? And I think what happens is you don't really develop enough memories. You know, some of our best memories, we wouldn't be here yeah, yeah. without some of the conflicts that we had. And we know this about ourselves. Yeah. So whenever I think people are doing introspective work, we know this about ourselves, but we don't try to apply that when it comes to our relationships. So I think we actually need to be embracing conflict much, much more. So as long as you're having respectful dialogue with someone, it unlocks breakthroughs. Yeah. See, I'm going to say something that may get me in trouble with the ladies, so correct me if I'm wrong. Check. Have my back if I'm right. <laughs> I think ladies tend to avoid conflict more than men do. 
like ladies tend to be like yes quiet we're socialized yeah then it's like then all of a sudden when we are having that heated conversation everything from the last five ten years yeah (laughs) exaggerating everything from like the last five weeks comes up in that one conversation Yeah. yeah how one why is why is that two how do we avoid that yeah, I mean, I think if you are dealing with a woman who is constantly avoiding conflict, it's because that's how she was so- socialized to be. Uh. So women are often socialized to be conflict avoidant, to be nice, to be not causing any trouble, and to just let men do what they do. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, a product of the patriarchy or misogyny or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. The problem is when you don't have a voice for yourself, it makes you almost a silent participant in the relationship and you have a really hard time advocating for what you need. Yeah. And so for men, the way that I encourage you to kind of invite your lady or it's for women to invite your lady into the conflict is to make it a safe space, to, to stay up front. There's not going to be any winners. We don't have to agree for this to be a productive conversation. So we just need to inch a little further. If you understand a little bit more of my perspective and I understand a little bit more of your perspective, then that's a good conversation. Okay. I think too many people go into conflict expecting there to be a winner. Yeah. So everybody's fighting for the last word. And as you fight for the last word, you start getting meaner and nastier and more personal. And you start hitting hard and below the belt. And it's yeah. like, well, now you're not fighting fair because right. one person might have more than another person or one wound may be deeper than the others. So it's best to just like set a timer and say, listen, if we just kind of expand each other's perspective a little bit, then that's a win. Like that's, that's the end of it. You said something that's so good, which I have a problem with that. I'm going to be honest. I have a problem with that. Uh, I, I feel as if someone has to be the winner. Yeah. Like, I feel as if, okay, babe, you won. Or I need her to, I need her to say, okay, babe, Anthony, you won. Yeah. But you just said something that I think a lot of single people battle. You know, how do y'all deal with that in, in, in the marriage piece of, okay, no one has to win, but I can still respect your words, your thoughts, and your perspective? Because I think sometimes... I'm guilty of this. Y'all know me. I keep it real, relevant, and relatable. It's, it's, sometimes I listen to respond, not mm-hmm. to learn. Mm-hmm. My therapy is walking me through this process on how to listen to learn, not agree. Yeah. But like, in a relationship, how do you still respect someone without agreeing with them? Because somebody asked this question before, like, how do you resist the urge to win all the time. Yes. Somebody who, who always wanted to win. I'm a man. I'm yeah. ready to hunt and kill and destroy and, and solve problems. Okay. For, so then you want to be in a relationship with a loser. Is that what you're saying? No. You're <laughs> Why do you want to be with someone who loses all the time? No, but I'm just saying I'm created to solve problems. Okay. But you're also admitting that you're conditioned to win. Right. And so if that is the case... Then my question to you what would be, good. why would you want to be in a relationship with a loser? Ooh! Someone who was constantly losing. I need some water. Losing. <laughs> I don't think anybody... Is that sexy? Sexy. Sexual? <laughs> I forgot all the S's. Is that smart? Yeah, you know what That's not smart. That's not smart. So you're saying if I want to be with someone who's smart and sexy, aka sexual, then I need to lose sometimes. Well, there needs to be no winner or loser. We just need to be able to have a conversation, exchange energy, learn, and not ruin the mood. And I think focusing on the result, to answer your question specifically. Exactly. Mm. The result isn't necessarily 
assigning or labeling one person a winner or a loser. The okay. result is what is what what is the outcome that exists outside of you and I. So good. Yeah. This is so good. I feel like I'm in therapy, CJ. <laughs> These boys out here and the ladies out here talking about, hey, you want a loser then. What the hell are you talking about? Want no loser? <laughs> oh, wait, boy, I'm sorry. Got me cussing on myself. I ain't never cussed on myself before. <laughs> the dude grabbed his water, so you want a loser then. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Yo, we just now tuned in, man. Welcome back to the table. It's your boy Anthony O'Neill, man. And I am joined by the 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 the, the movers, the shakers, especially in this married space when it comes to married couples who want to win in life with their marriage and with money. Rich and regular, Julian and his beautiful wife, Kirsten. And uh, man, they're they're in here dropping some jewels, you know, you guys. I really want to encourage you all uh, to check out their information in the show description. Uh, follow them, follow their show, follow their platform. They are huge. Uh, they do a lot for Success Magazine. You'll find them on YouTube, just really em- empowering people. But before we get back into today's show, I want to remind you all that, uh, listen, uh, one of the key things when it comes to marriage, okay, is about having a savings account. It's preparing yourself for emergencies, for when something does go down. Because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And if you got kids, if you have, if you're a single parent, um, life may happen. We found out through COVID, you need to make sure that you have at least three to six months in your savings account. Now, listen, I park my savings account at Prize Pool, okay? <clears throat> Prize Pool. And I park it there for really about two reasons, two dope reasons. Number one, they only give me about 0.30%, which is higher than about 6.5% uh, of the banks out there, right? And then also as well, let's say if you have $10,000 just sitting in the bank account, but they're going to give you 10,000 tickets that's entered into a drawing. So let's say you have 50,000. That's 50,000 tickets entered into a drawing. And they have grand prizes from 10,000, 15,000, $25,000 a month. And for just saving your money, you could possibly win anywhere from 10 to 25, $30,000 that they do every single month. They're FDIC insured. They're the top savings account out there. It's easy and affordable. It's free. So I want you to check them out uh, in the show description below because I promise you, you'll love them. All right. So let's start off this year going into uh, 2022 very well prepared. But let's get back into this show because, I mean, I had to calm down a little bit uh, because he had me cuss on my own show. And, <laughs> and hell is in the Bible, so I didn't really curse. But OK, so this is this is good. This is good. So number one, it's not about winning. Nope. Okay, so as a single person, how can we start practicing that? You know what I'm saying? I think, because right now, the majority of my people who are watching are single. And I'll be honest, the majority of the ladies who I talk to, oh, they want to win. Yeah. I'm just going to be honest, you know? And it's like, how do I, or how do we practice not winning, but still staying true to who we are without putting it up underneath the rug? Um, so I've never said this before, but I've always thought it. Uh, one of the things that I don't think people do a good job of is um, admitting when they're wrong or just admitting that they didn't know something. We don't really track that, right? So, like, literally track it. If you go on a date or you're in a relationship with someone, journal or just write down, how many times did I have I admitted that I was wrong about something? Little things, medium-sized things, big things, all of it. Like, jot it down and try to identify the pattern. For most people, it's going to be a goose egg. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because we don't wake up willingly admitting that I was wrong about that. Yes. Right? We either reframe it in our minds or we just sort of, like, avoid that topic altogether. But I think 
recognizing that there are huge lessons in just admitting that you were wrong about things. Yeah. See if you can identify some of those patterns. And whatever you want to do with that is up to you. You could seek counseling or you could just share that with your partner and say, you know what, I've noticed I've been wrong about a lot of stuff lately. But we don't track those things enough. So I think just tracking it, whether it's journaling or tweeting, like whatever it is that you want to do, but having some system of record that helps you um, identify how often you do that. Because I think once you can do that for yourself, it's a lot easier for you to sort of share that kind of um, L, you know, with your partner and not take it as like a crushing blow. Yeah. I'd I'd also add that you practice finding a new outlet for winning, right? Mm. So when you're chasing the feeling of winning, you want to feel like you won something. There's lots of ways you can do that. Yeah. Without using another person as like your ATM, your winning ATM. Like yeah, you can yeah. go join an intramural team. Mm-hmm. You can trade crypto. You can play online poker, whatever it is. Yeah. Like chase that feeling somewhere else and really lean into what you're supposed to gain when you're in a partnership. It's not this feeling of like winning. You're on the same team. So you can win as a team and you can work on winning together. But like you don't, you're not competing against the person that you're going to be in a relationship with. Find other places to... Because I'm a competitive person, too. I love to win. But I've had to literally find other places to, like, exercise that energy that isn't, like, this relationship. You said a keyword there, team. Yeah. You know, and in this generation of single people, right? Because we're all around the same age, right? But I'm in a different season of life, you know? Uh, Team is not really talked about within marriages. It's Hmm. about, uh, you know... um, uh, I'm going to do a show around this modern relationship and traditional relationship. Mm. Modern is man and woman go 50-50. Traditional, from what they say, is the man controls everything and the woman serves the man and serves the woman. Now, I could be off. That's why I'm going to do a show about it with two experts who say they're experts in that space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where would you say y'all two lie? Uh, we're definitely more modern. Yeah. For real? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He ain't running 100% of... <laughs> He ain't running behind this. Nothing. And don't want to. And, and don't you don't want to. to. No. You don't feel less than a man. No. He was about to cut. He was No. I couldn't imagine if, like, yeah, like what would I do with all my time? You know wow. what I mean? Like, where, where would that time go? Wow. I can't even imagine what that life would look like. What my relationship with my son would look like. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want that. You want, so it's a team. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's a team. Team effort. Mm-hmm. And Who all controls the finances? We both do. It depends. Yeah, it's a shared responsibility. Yeah. For real. Yeah. So let's say, okay, okay. It's like, like departments, right? Oh. So so she's responsible for like the, the, the cryptocurrency department, our healthcare and the insurance department. Relationships, PR, relationships. That's real. <laughs> relationships? Yeah. What you mean? Oh, you mean relationships outside of y'all two? Yeah. You know, y'all of maintain, them. you maintain. Yes, yeah. I do all, I send the gifts, I send oh, the cards. Managing all the calendar invites. The graduation invites. invite comes in. I you love, handle all that. I handle all the PR, yeah. like the Saunders PR. <laughs> no. <laughs> but then, I already know the answer to this, and I was shocked by this answer. <laughs> Who does the cooking? I do. All of it. And, oh, and I enjoy it, but that's because I'm in a former life, I was a professional chef, right? So it comes a lot easier for me to do it, um, especially when you talk about cooking for me, cooking for her, cooking for our son. It's a lot of work. So it just makes sense to sort of put the person who has that strength mm. in, that, uh, in that role. But again, going back to your, your, your comment about modern marriages, like I don't know who she would be if she also had to do that. Honestly, I don't know what time she would have left for anything else in life if she had 
Just that take care sort of everything in the house. Responsibility, yeah. And that's not to knock people who do that. Right, right, right. If that's who they want to be or how they want to design their homes, that's perfectly fine. But that doesn't work for me. Like, I still want to be able to, at the end of the, the, uh, the, the bedtime routine, have a nice meal and a cocktail with my wife, watch a movie and kick back. And really I'm not hard. exhausted. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, it's a shared responsibility. You find a rhythm. Y'all share the responsibility with kids. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. We do drop-off pickup every other day. We rotate. So Y'all, and we have to fight for that. To, to be, to be, to be. <laughs> for real. Because she wanted to do it all herself. So, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of uh, first-time mothers fall into that, right? Like, they right. want to be able to do all the things. But I, always, I knew. I was like, all right, now, how does that end? Three mm. years from now, five years from now, right? right? Like you've given your—that's what a lot of women complain about. Like, it's true. I, who am I? I've lost myself. I've given my entire identity to my child, right? So for me, I see this as a leadership role as a man. It just looks different than that traditional model. Mm. It's like, all right, well then, how do we fix that, right? Am I okay with being able to repeat off everybody who's leading, uh, you know, in stats in the NBA, the NFL, and I can tell you every single detail about our financial picture, but. My wife is at home and she's unhappy because she's basically been working her job and working a second job running our household. Or am I willing to say, you know what, maybe it's not that important that I keep up with college sports this year because the entire roster is going to change over. So for me, I'm leaning into what I think makes the most value for my household. But this is how you preserve preserve them five S's, though, because to his point, like... (laughs) I do feel some mom guilt just yeah, because like we're taught to feel mom guilt, but I rarely feel mom guilt when I leave my son with his father with with wow. Julian because they're best friends. Wow. It's like he's having a good time with his with, with his, his dad. dad. Yeah. So there's nothing to feel guilty about. Yeah. So here go good here go good question. Cause I know more people are I know how my tribe think, right? But then okay, Julian, what if she comes home and there and says, you know, I don't want to run anything anymore. I just want to just do nothing. That's not a problem. For real. Why would that be a problem? But you just said you kind of want the 50-50 thing, though. <laughs> no, what I want is the result, <sighs> which is peace in my home, which Come is for my family on. to build wealth. Now we talking. I can afford to outsource some of those things. So the question might be, uh-huh. for some men who get frustrated by that, who's like, oh, well, that tension, I'm telling you, likely exists because they can't afford to outsource a lot. <laughs> so the question might be, well, what can we do to grow the income in our household? And if you're ultimately responsible for that, well, then... That sounds like a you problem. (laughs) (laughs) No, because I asked that question because that's my philosophy. I don't know if I lie on either or. I think when I find my wife, I want to be in a position where I'm like, babe, what is it that you want to do? What is best for us moving forward with less stress? We're going to have stress. Yeah. But it's like, if you're saying, hey, I want to go start a business or, babe, I want to run the business with you. All right, let's do it. Or, babe, I just want to stay at home and just chill with the kids all day long. Cool, but just make sure I'm a part of that life as well, especially with the kids. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is your focus as the husband, as a man, what's the best result for you three, your wife and the kids? Yes. If I'm not mistaken, 70% of black households are led by black women breadwinners, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. If it's not 70, it might be a little higher. Yeah. Um, and for white families, that number is close to turn around 50 or 60%. So significantly more black households are either led or co-led by black women Mm -hmm. breadwinners. This aligns very clearly with black women being the leading cohort of college graduates in the country. And entrepreneurs. And and the leading entrepreneurs. It just makes sense. So even as we were sort of deciding to venture into the personal finance space, these were the types of conversations that we just saw were missing. Mm -hmm. It was like, I'm far more interested in 
how we manage and tackle money, mm-hmm. at acknowledging some of these shifts in social and cultural norms, um, because that's something that I think a lot of people are still struggling with. And yeah. it's because yeah. one day they want to hold on to the traditional yes. model, yeah. Yeah. and the next day they want to hold on to the modern model, and they keep waffling back and forth. Mm-hmm. So we may need to sort of stop looking at it as a binary lens and stop saying the answer is somewhere in between. Uh, and it could be that in one season we lean into a traditional yes. model, in other seasons we lean into a modern model. But either way, you get to define what it is. For your marriage. For your marriage. Yes. It's your house. Yes. And it can change as much as you want it to. I yes. remember that used to confuse Julian early on because he's like, you said you want to be, like I was the breadwinner when we were both working corporate jobs. Right. And he would say things like, you say you want to be independent and yet... Like, you're not taking care of the things that you need to take care of. You're mm. not, you're cut, your tire light's been on in the car, all sorts <laughs> of things. Like, this bill is late. You didn't do this. And he's like, I don't understand because I would want him to come in and, like, and do it. rescue yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Like, be the prince on the horse or whatever the fairy tale is. Wow. And he would be confused because it's like, yes. I thought you wanted to be independent. too. <laughs> but it changes. Like, but did you do that while you were dating? Were you uh, sending those confusing messages while you were dating? Early on, yes. Then you stopped. But then I stopped. Then you got comfortable. Yeah, I had to do my work. I had to do my work and realize he was not here to rescue me. (laughs) That's not the role that I want as a partner. And so, like, yeah, I had to do my work and figure it out. But And I still send mixed messages. Like, that's life. Like, (laughs) there's going to be mixed messages. Like, that's what it is to be with someone who is thinking out loud and that you are constantly around 24-7, 365. But it's up to us to, like he said, build the grace mm. to say, you know what, she's just going through something or he's just stressed out and not like file those into your mental file cabinet to bring up at a later date. Like when you are married, you are like in an incubator with someone as they're also living their life. And so holding things against them or taking things personally is just not a winning strategy because it'll drive you crazy. Finances in a marriage. What, what role does that play? Is that a big big role? Is it a small role? Like, as a married couple, have y'all had some financial disagreements, arguments, stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, our relationship was born based out of a financial disagreement. We, Our first argument we ever had was a result of the first financial conversation that we had, right? For real? Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so we recognized very early, and I'm sure, you know, you're well aware of the um, prevalence of divorces that are sort of stemming from financial trouble. So we were very clear up front that, hey, Listen, we're not perfect. Right. But one thing we're not going to argue about is, right? It's going to have to be whatever the number two or three reason is. I don't even know what it is. But it's going to have to be number two or number three. It ain't going to be about money because that is a problem we can solve for, you know, if we work together. And if we're willing to be courageous um, and not just sort of follow these scripts or these sort of traditional roles. Because the reality is, if we're going to look at data, we also need to look at, you know, what sort of led us there. Mm -hmm. Right. So we can't. I'm going to pick intentionally on the traditional model. Those two cannot coincide without us sort of accepting that something is wrong here. If we focused on the traditional model, and that has in part gotten us to where we are, Mm -hmm. we have to be willing to evaluate that traditional model or tweak Uh, it in order to improve what those numbers look like. Okay. That's just my theory. I got you. Yeah, and the reason why the traditional model worked was because it was created at a time where women couldn't work. Exactly. And so in a world now where you likely need two incomes to live anywhere in any metro, you know, city, like you have to look at the household as something that you tackle together, either outsourcing or splitting roles or 
figuring it out, but like, it's not meant for women to be able to go to work and do 100% of that. Like, that's why that model is broken. For anyone. For anyone. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So what I love about y'all's relationship is I, I, I see team. I see unity. But I also hear we're not perfect. Yeah. Speak to us single people that are not entering into relationships because we're looking for that perfect significant other. Like we're looking for that. You know, oh, does he does he have all this? Is he six feet? The checklist. Does he ha- does he make a six? Does he make six yeah. figures? Does he have the big muscles? <laughs> I do. But um, you know what I'm saying? Like, does this or does she have this body? You right. Know, yeah. Is right. she like this? Like honestly, I mean, I just I'll be honest and transparent. I literally just got myself out of that checklist. Yeah. And I went more for okay, what do I need at my core? Which is where I got those five S's from. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I'm like, that's hard because I'm like, well, I want her to have this, and she gotta do this, and she gotta look like this, and she gotta she gotta be able to swing from a pole, you know, all that type of stuff. You know, it's like you know, it's like we're looking for that perfection, huh? Prayer pole, prayer pole, prayer pole. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Prayer. (laughs) She gonna be praying. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm like, like, how do we? How do we get ourselves out of that checklist, man? Oof. Because especially for ladies, it's he needs to make at least six figures. I know. You know, and then for the guys, she Why has so, to look like this. So well, you know, man, you know, I spend a lot of my time on Clubhouse, right? You know, that's where a lot of my tribe is. So I spend a lot of my time on Clubhouse. And I think ladies are, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, ladies desire financial security. Mm-hmm. So they they believe that financial security is in the amount of money a man makes you know, that provides financial security. While I understand it, but I'm also like, man, I know people who make six figures and they're still broke. Plenty. Which is why I was... Most. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then I know people who make $40,000 a year and they got money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, how do we get out of this whole checklist stuff? I'm not a therapist. Yeah. um, But I do... I do feel comfortable uh, saying that I think that's just a form of perfectionism. Like, not even just them sort of looking for perfection in someone else, but, like, you... Like, let's be honest. Like, none of us are perfect. Right? Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. if you have the audacity to try to project that onto someone else, there's a pretty good chance that you likely feel you check all of the boxes. Um, and I think it's safe to assume that you probably don't. Right? Yeah, yeah, Right? Because nobody does. Yeah. Um, but they may not have come to that realization. I once thought I'd checked all the boxes. You gotta go through a couple of L's. You realize, oh, we actually no, Don't. no, you know what I'm saying? Far from it. Yeah, yeah. So I think those people just haven't quite um, understood. They don't found the right them. person. I don't remember that was one of the things that I really appreciated about her, like her ability to communicate very clearly that you too are not perfect. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I, I found a lot. I find that very attractive, actually, because it was like finally, for just being honest, yeah. finally here's someone who's willing to not sort of worship, you know, at my feet and call me out on my BS, right? Yeah. There's a lot lot of strength um, in that, and I find that to be really attractive. I think that's a dope attraction. Yeah. Especially because the right woman will call you out without making you feel less than. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's in a way of love. Yeah. Yes. A call in. Yes. They call it. Like, come to me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Call you out on your BS. Come while I'm calling you out. Right. Right. You know, and I like, oh, man, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Dear future wife, I hope you're listening. Yeah. I hope you are taking notes. You know, um, so I'm. I went viral. I think about yeah, it was last year sometime. I went yeah. viral, right? Uh, because 
there's, I mean, people know. I got it back. There's no secret. I mean, I worked hard to be out of debt to have this money. But I'm very frugal with my money. Mm-hmm. So when I go out on a date, I don't spend no more than $50 on the first date. Yeah, you're okay. coming up in the in the forums, in the chats. Yeah. Yeah. Have you adjusted that for inflation over the years? Because, <laughs> I mean, even the IRS allows you to control it. <laughs> so I'm just wondering. I think it might be time for me. I mean, I went out on a date recently, right? And I want to say... Um, Maybe 75, 75 bucks. Yeah. I think. But you know, ladies mm-hmm. say this. Uh, no, he's cheap. Yeah. They say if he really likes me, he will spend whatever he needs or whatever he wants to impress me. Mm. Right. You agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're not for You don't need a hard and fast rule that applies to every single situation that you never examine. To a woman's point, or to any partner's point, like, you make time and you spend money on the things that you care about. And so if you're at an airport and you're about to miss your flight and someone's like... (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually going to agree with her. Yeah, like, you don't... Wait, bro. What? No, because I'm just... I'm just just thinking, like... But what if a dude is on a, a budget... And sure. he's like, yo, I got 75. But we're not talking about a dude. That's we're not what you're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about you. I'm talking about you. You know what I'm Hold up. So, and you can cut it if you want. <laughs> I'm just saying, imagine a world where that's actually creating an obstacle from you meeting the woman of your dreams. Yes. Imagine a $100 date is all you had to do, and you might mean the woman of your dreams, but you don't want to do that. Well, imagine a world where she missed out on a good man because I didn't want to spend $25. But she didn't miss out. I'm not even talking about the disagreement with the principal. I'm just saying, imagine a world where spending $100 gets you to meet a woman and have a much better experience or a first date than $50 could afford you. That's not to say that you can't have a great first date for free. Yeah. You can do that for free. Yes, you can. If you're, yeah, you can. But you have a rule. Like, it's not just like a a guideline, a North Star. It feels like a fun game to play, but um, we're actually not a fun game. It's a fun game. We used to do that for Christmas, right? So for Christmas, we used to say, you know what? Because listen, we don't need much. It was like, you know what? $50 is your thing. And now it forces you to get creative. Right. But we were already married when we did that. Right? No way I ain't married. I'm just saying. Because here's my philosophy. Go find you a good four. Remember what we talked about? Woman. You ain't got to win. You ain't got to win this. So go ahead. Go off. What's your philosophy? Valid point. What's your philosophy on being I, ha- I don't have to win this one. <laughs> I do want to hear it, though. I'm going to bow out. If, like, you if, setting me up. No, if it is creating the result that you she want. She is setting me up. How many women have been like, yes, that is an excellent... No, but see, I don't lead with, hey, hey, sorry, I'm only going to take it to a spot that's only like $50. I don't lead with that. I just don't... I'm, I think ladies get disappointed with me because they know who I am, and I don't take them over here. Got Instead it. of, I go over here and I put creativity, I Got put it. time, I put thought into the first date when they're expecting me to pick them up in a XYZ car, take them to XYZ restaurant. Right. I'm like, yo, sorry, I got something special for us. That's, instead of doing that, there's this jazz festival going on. I got a cookup. They gave us some VIP tickets. Let's go to the side. Yeah. And I get us backstage just to that. And we can just, you know, get some ice cream at the, the jazz festival or something like that. 
what? You want me to put on some red bottoms to go to the to, to the jazz festival? I didn't oh, say put different. on red bottoms. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said, no, I want you to come. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, I, I try to force myself, because here's the flip side. I think single men today, the reason why they're living paycheck to paycheck is to impress ladies. Sure. So they'll get the check on Friday and men. Yes. I mean, like they're homies. Yeah, they're homies. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we'll get the check on Friday. By Monday, it's gone because we try to impress people. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm like, if I can get you without trying to impress you, but really showing you my creativity and my heart and the thought process I'm going to put into it, I have no problems spending a lot of money on a date. Yeah. But the first date, I really don't know you. I want to get to know you yeah. before I make that kind of investment. Yeah. I, I don't think, think it's a bad rule. Problem. I'm not saying it's a bad rule. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I like the way you was, you was going that way earlier. Well, I I, <laughs> I want to be clear. Like, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with putting, obviously, managing a budget and, like, not sort of willy-nilly always being willing to blow a bag every time you meet somebody that's cute, smart, right. and whatever the other S's are. I, you know, that, that, <laughs> I can't keep up. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, if, if they're coming at you and they're upset about the fact because they oh, have yeah. these other expectations, yeah, oh, yeah, I would, I thought that way because it's just there's this thing called you know, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna say his name, well, I've already said something on my channel, Kevin Samuels. Somebody's whole high value, woman, mm. high value man, a high value man's gonna take you to a $500 date. That's a lie, yeah, it is a lie. <laughs> That's a lie. Mm-hmm. I know millionaires, yeah, who's not gonna drop $500 on a date. No, mm-hmm. I mean, I know a millionaire right now. He took his wife a year ago, first date, first date, first date, Chili's. <laughs> Chili's. That's cute. Pulled up in a Bentley at Chili's. <laughs> and she married, living in her dream house, driving her dream car. Now, their, their third date, I mean, he did take her on a yacht. But <laughs> yeah. From Chili's to a yacht, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So... I'm like that. that, that Does that, he just enjoy chilies, or was this some sort of test? No, he actually enjoys chilies happy hour. Oh, okay. So that he was like, sense. "I'm gonna take you where I enjoy." Yeah. And he was like, "I was waiting to see her response." Yeah. He's like, "Because just because God blessed me with the money, I want a woman who understands we have the money, but everything we do doesn't have to have." The money part, yeah. It's like, can we laugh? Yeah. Can we yeah. go down to the to to the hood and eat at you know this hole in the wall mom and pop shop that's gonna cost us twenty dollars and give us gas and just have a good time? Yeah. Or do we always need to go have this foo foo food? Right. You know. And I don't come from money. Yeah. And so a lot of people say, you know, new money is scared money. I think I am scared. Mm. I am scared to lose it. I'm not scared to spend it. Yeah. I'm just scared to make foolish mistakes. Get to my wife. And now we are having those husband and wife arguments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I wasn't wise when I was single. Yeah. Mm. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> Rich and regular. That's why y'all got to rock with them. <laughs> All right. Last question, then we'll, I'll let y'all go. There's this stigma that, you know, no arguments. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Marriage is just going to be great. I'm, can I be real with y'all? Let's yeah. do it. Okay, it's my show. I've never gone this before. I never. I love. I love this season. I'm in. I've never said this before, CJ. I'm gonna say it today. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it today. Um, let's talk about this from this perspective. I'm trying to say it the right way, the respectful way. Is there always? Will there ever be a season? Um, this is my show. Why am I trying to be respectful of my show? Uh, <laughs> Is there always, is there going to be a season to where intimacy, love, excitement will fall off in a marriage? Because I think you have some single people who are like me, 
grew up in a very strong Christian faith home, right? So a lot of them are excited about getting married mm. because of the intimacy, mm-hmm. legally doing it, spiritually. Oh, I got the license to get it in. Right. You know, I have the license to enjoy my wife. But I'm curious over the last six years, have there been the ups and downs in marriages in this season? I mean, dang, you're shaking your head like, yeah. oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Prep us single people about that. What? Why? You know what I'm saying? Like, why? Y'all making good money? Y'all are well-known in the space? Got a kid? Like, why does that come? I mean, there are any number of reasons, man. Um, Just off the top of my head, one, uh, and I'm not blaming these situations, but I'm listing all the places in life that you might not necessarily be thinking about Mm -hmm. that will impact you personally, Mm -hmm. that will impact your partner personally that an, as a result will impact home. the energy in your home. Mm. My mother is financially insecure. Okay. Her father has beaten just just in the last year. Her yeah. father has beaten cancer. Oh. Uh, we've had deaths in the family. Uh, we're still in a pandemic. Mm. Uh, we are growing a business, which is like having a second child. Yeah. We're in the process of starting a third business. Yeah. We wrote a book. Yep. We traveled for six weeks filming a video series yeah. that kept us out of our house while all of these things were happening, wow. right? And so life happens, especially if you're making moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't even matter if you're still in the same place and you're doing it all together. Like, you're a human being. You get older, mm-hmm. right? You get more tired. Um, and so, yeah, it happens. It's not necessarily, uh, in my opinion, a sign that things are falling apart. It's just uh, a reflection of the limited amount of time mm-hmm. in the day. Now, you could also say that it is a reflection of having um, competing priorities. Mm-hmm. But that's what happens when you're growing, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, which one of those things will I get rid of? There are a couple of them that I can say, like, yeah, that's probably something I could defer until next year. But the vast majority of those things, we absolutely needed to focus on mm-hmm. this year. And mm-hmm. so... Um, it's, it, it creates or disrupts the rhythm that you have in your house. And as a result, um, you know, intimacy or having sex mm-hmm. with your partner, mm-hmm. I think, um, sort of falls off. So you have to know that that's going to happen um, and build in mechanisms to bring rebalance, it back. Yeah. to bring it on back, right? Yeah. For the men who have this high intimacy drive, what's your encouragement to them? Because, you know, men are like, what? What? Huh? Yeah. Nah, not nah, come over here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's just be real, you know? Yeah. Because um, I'm praying over that myself. <laughs> yeah. I think the definition expands. So a lot of men are taught that sex and intimacy is just like... Doo, doo, doo. Right, right. <laughs> There's a... Expand. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> That's what it sounds sound like that, but we got a problem. <laughs> But you learn to to make it a more expansive definition. And there are lots of ways to show that you're still physically attracted to your partner. There are lots of ways to show that you still have an intimate connection, whether it's an inside joke or just something that y'all do, dancing silly, dancing sexy, Mm. you know, just cuddling in the morning, whatever it is. Mm. Like, you just learn to appreciate the spectrum beyond just, like... Is that is that easier for women or men? I don't know that it's easy for anybody. It's gotcha. just part of the experience. Okay. Like I don't think 
Like there's a there's a there is a stereotype that men are the more sexual yeah. people in the relationship, which but I don't think it is. I don't, and there's phases, right? There right. are, especially with women, as we grow older and our hormones change. Yeah. Like, my 30s are far different sexually than my 20s. Oh. And when I talk to my friends in their 40s, they're like, girl, hold on. Like, Whoa. it just, it keeps going. Like, <laughs> hey. Yeah, so so give yourself the room to learn, like, uh. what is sexually attractive to you, what, uh. what matters to you, what intimacy, intimacy yeah, looks like, and, you know. I think I need to do a show on... Because that's not really my lane. But I do think that my tribe could really learn what is intimacy. Mm. Because I think for me, when I, growing up in my family, intimacy was just simply sex. Mm. Yeah, mm. You know, it, they didn't really talk about all the other stuff. I didn't see my mom and dad holding hands when I was young. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see my mom and dad cuddling mm-hmm. up on the couch. You know, so intimacy in my head because of how I was raised was... We're going to the bedroom, and the TV's going to be loud, so you might want to go upstairs. Yeah. And if you hear the TV loud, that means don't come to the room. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that is a good show to where maybe I can bring y'all in again, or maybe have married couples. Yeah. I'm going to just talk about, just like, talk about intimacy. All the forms. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it is a full range of stuff, whether it's, like, this is the person I call when something happens and I don't know what to do. Like, that's a form of intimacy. If you're the first person I call when I hit... Mm-hmm. You know, rear in somebody instead of the police. That's, that's a intimate. form of intimacy. It's not necessarily wow. smart, but like it's there. It's grieving in front of somebody. It's being incredibly excited about something that hasn't happened yet and like being vulnerable. It's all of those things. And that's what makes marriage special. That's like, so and, and I think even as she's talking, right, like I can like sort of extend every single one of those examples and say intimacy is my ability to hear the tone of her voice and to understand exactly where she is and what she needs and as a result how I need to respond, um, you know, in in moments of, like, sort of, like, pressure or fear or any of those things. Like, it's a deep inner sort of intertwinedness that you have with someone Mm -hmm. uh, that just makes... Life and communication a lot, a lot. Of so, yeah. yeah, and that sounds whack, right? If all you're thinking is a little bit more think thing. <laughs> yeah. But as you know, as I'm stepping into like my my 40s and and recognizing you know sort of uncle status in the game, yeah, right? yeah. in the lane, it's like I remember also being like, yeah, I don't want to be that guy, you know? Right. What I mean? Like absolutely not. But now that I'm there, it's like, oh, actually, like, there's so much more that you just you're just not there yet. And I think we just need to accept that when you're in your twenties, you you know you don't you don't know what you don't know, and right. it, that is going to be true every single ten every ten year period. Right? Yeah. You don't know what you don't know yet. You can't see it. You can't wrap your head around that yeah. until you're there and you're like, oh wow. Do you we know? even will we ever know what we don't know? Because everything so. even even in our 30s, yeah. late 30s, we don't know what we're going to be on our 50s. Yeah. I remember being so confident that I knew just about everything I needed right. to live the rest of my life in my 30s. Yeah. Because I was comparing it to what I knew and understood to be true in my 20s. Yeah. And now, for a variety of reasons, I'm like, oh my God, I cannot wait until like 45 yeah. or my 50s because it's going to be... Beyond what I can even imagine right now. So, God willing, assuming I can make it that long, I'm really looking forward to it. Man, listen, I wish I had a two hour show. (laughs) I mean, because y'all dropping wisdom on this thing, and I really appreciate y'all. And I want to encourage all of you watching me right now to go to their YouTube channel, go to their website, 
connect with them. They have a book coming out. Yes. Uh, we don't know the exact date, but signed by a major publisher. Um, and uh, they're about to be back on the road. I remember book tours. Yeah. Um, and I remember that season. It's a phenomenal season. And yeah. y'all want to help a whole lot of people. Um, real quickly, what is the book going to be about? Yeah, so it's entitled Cashing Out. Uh, it is part our personal journey to financial independence. Mm. It is in part our invitation specifically for the Black community and Black professionals to look at this movement and the times that we're in. Yeah. And by this movement, I mean this movement of financial independence, get crafty, yeah. get frugal, yeah. uh, embrace that. Yeah. Uh, and also us sort of offering similar tips around how to deal with all of these things mm-hmm. in life, right? Yeah. It's not just about mastering the fundamentals of investing mm-hmm. and budgeting. It's also what impact does that have on my relationship with my partner mm. and my commitment to my community mm. or the role that I play in my family. Mm. So what we're really trying to do is to guide people to a point where they are in greater control and have a strong sense of empowerment around their money and as a result can define their lives um, however they want. Cool. Ballpark. Is it 2022 or 2023? I'm aiming Summer for Juneteenth 2022. I'm yeah. looking for the culture. Okay. Uh, and so hopefully it's on pre sale by the end of this year. I like it that. will be out uh, by right around Juneteenth of next year. So I have a very strong, and this will be our last question. I have a very strong white audience. I know they're probably saying, Anthony, why is everything about black people? Mm. Um, why do y'all have such a hard calling passion for us? I'm curious. Because I do too. But I'm just curious for y'all. I can hear it in y'all's voice. Why? Well, we, you're bringing me back to page three of the manuscript. And okay. It's because we are the people that are in most need. Ooh. Right? I remember, and again, I'm also saying this as a marketer, as mm-hmm. someone that has studied that professionally, has worked in that kind of environment. When I've assessed the landscape, White people, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say unfortunately, but have far more resources, far more channels, far more examples. personalities and examples mm. when we're talking about the idea of being rich and regular. That is something that white people mm. are far more likely to identify with because they know what that looks like. The image of black wealth is an image that operates on two extremes for the most part. So we're either talking about black people being in deep poverty or we're giving the highest examples, which unfortunately might be admirable yeah, yeah. or aspirational, right. but not necessarily attainable. Right? Come on, and man. so when you start talking about being Come on, man. relatable, yeah. that's important. Yes. I actually think relatability is one of the most powerful forces that we can do as yes. storytellers and content creators because it makes people feel included in the process. Everything else is just entertainment. <sighs> And, and, and I know we got to go because I got to go with the kids. <laughs> but what, I mean, your kid. Um, I went viral, I think, last year. And I, and, and I lost about, when I when I said this, I lost about maybe 5,000 followers. Congratulations. Right. <laughs> 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 you didn't even know what I said. I told the world, respectfully, that I could never date outside of my race. Mm. Mm. And I said that I believe that I have been called to marry a black woman. Mm-hmm. Not because I only am attracted to a black woman, but I think there are less examples of a healthy, black, wealthy family for our other black kids to see. Yeah. And for our other black community to see. I love Jay-Z and Beyonce. I love uh, Russ and, and Sierra. I love, all, I love them all. Yeah. But more than likely, 
99% of us will never get to that billionaire status. It'll never happen. No. And they need to see regular people who yeah. love what they do, who are doctors, who are school teachers, who are entrepreneurs, who are just everyday people mm -hmm. who look like them, who are successful, living within their means, mm -hmm. have wealth, building a legacy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not knocking people who are black, who marry white. I'm not, I'm not knocking that at all. Right. But I think we need more examples. Yeah. And, 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 and it starts, I believe, with people who just say, you know, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Just because I am pro-black doesn't mean I'm against white people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, I do have a problem with white people who try to tell me, well, I'll trust God. Okay, I am. You know? I hear that, man. You're tired of that. I'm like, but what about God? Well, what do you mean, what about God? What does that right. have to do? Yeah. Well, 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 God may have something else for you. What? God's well, a good giver the desires of my heart. Yeah. And he put on my heart to be a good example and a good steward for the black community. And you're doing a great job, man. Thank you, man. It means a lot. <laughs> Listen, y'all, man. <laughs> I know I probably just lost some of y'all right now. It's all good and gravy. You know, I love you. Um, you know, um, I, have, I, have, I, have, I have quite a few white people on my team, and they know my heart. Uh, but I genuinely do believe um, that... Uh, we need more positive black examples. And I encourage you all to please go over to Rich and Regular's uh, platforms, their Instagrams, their YouTube, follow their show. They're launching season three. Um, if they do launch season three uh, without this guy named Anthony O'Neill on there, <laughs> I need my tribe to show up. Like, yo, you came on the table. I'm only here because you were on the table. Why is my man not at the table? <laughs> but no, real talk, man. I love them dearly. I love what they're saying. Please check them out. I'll drop all their information in the show description. Uh, so make sure please, to please check it out. And y'all, we're keeping it real. We're keeping it relatable. We're keeping it relevant. And today was a very real and gut check show. And this is the third person on my show, Sarah Jakes was first. Uh, who was the second one, bro? Oh, Ashley and um, uh, Carrington Brown. And all of a sudden, this dude want to tell me, oh, you want a loser for a while. <laughs> Yo, I, I, I can take the heat. You yeah. know what I'm saying? She was like, Anthony, are you gonna, are you gonna win today? Or are you gonna lose? Oh, you right, I'm gonna I'm bow down today. I want me a winner for a while. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So I learned something today myself, and I hope you did too as well. So y'all, go check them out. We'll see y'all next week. Peace out.